Welcome to this special episode of A Cry in the Moon's Light. I'm your host, Alan McGill, and as you probably know by now, I created this story. This is a special edition episode that is a behind-the-scenes look at A Cry in the Moon's Light. A Cry in the Moon's Light centers around a book I wrote nearly 20 years ago. I decided to turn it into an enhanced audiobook or podcast. Season 1 was produced in 2020, with the first episode being released under a blue moon on Halloween night. Each week, I put out the next chapter or episode until all 15 were there for you to enjoy. And while you were listening to the show, I spent 2021 preparing the book for publication. The book has a little more detail and some additional scenes not found in the podcast. The ending has a bit more, too, that hints in the direction of the sequels. In addition to getting the first book to you, I've also been writing the second book in the series. The sequel stays with the horror-thriller theme, but it's a lot spookier and definitely more bloody. There are more of these hideous night creatures and some real badass villains. The story does remain true to its underlying theme regarding the power of love, true love. So there's plenty of romance to be sure, and maybe a few surprises along the way. In fact, A Cry in the Moon's Light just got a lot bigger, as I also decided to release a companion guidebook to the entire world of A Cry in the Moon's Light. The guidebook is a way to give you more in-depth character descriptions, as well as introducing you to new characters, places, and yes, more of those night creatures, that we will find in the sequels. The guidebook also reveals some secrets like Milady's real name and the carriage driver's real name. There are over 75 illustrations with everything from maps to a bestiary and it's the same book found in the pages of the sequel itself. And one of the coolest things about the guidebook written by a new character found in the second book, Father Daniel. For now, my goal is to finish the sequel, prepare both the second book for publication, as well as produce the Season 2 podcast. But I can't do it alone. Season 2 is so much bigger and more involved. I'll need the funding to assemble a good team for the production. The funds from Book 1 and the Companion Guidebook will help with the production of the sequel, as well as the Season 2 podcast. And if you really like the story as so many of you have commented on for the podcast. Please leave a review on Amazon or any other book review places. It takes a few seconds of your time, but it means everything to the future of the story by helping to increase its popularity. Before we begin this exciting episode, I just want to thank all of you who have downloaded, followed, and commented on the show. It means a lot, and I am so very happy you enjoyed the story. In these special edition episodes, I'm going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of the story and how I made the podcast. For this first one, I decided to start with the music. As many of you already know, musician and music producer Joseph McDade wrote and performed the score for the show. Joe and I became friends and I loved his music so much I asked him to have a conversation with me about his process. I interviewed Joe in the summer of 2020 
after he completed nearly seven of the songs. All total, he did over ten different pieces that I thought should be shared with all of you. I asked Joe to put out a soundtrack album with me. In December of 2020, we released the podcast soundtrack of A Cry in the Moon's Light. Included in the album is the poem I wrote and narrated about the story. Here is my conversation with Joe about his background, his music, and how he created the atmosphere so loved in the podcast. So, Joe, thank you for being on the program. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. What I want to do is start off by talking about you know, a little bit about your background first. Maybe you could tell the audience your background in music and things like that. Yeah. So I've been, music has really been part of my life for as long as I can remember. I went to school for it. I did my first two years at Schenectady County Community College in upstate New York. And then I finished out my bachelor's degree in music industry at the College of St. Rose in Albany, New York. And then from there, which I graduated about two years ago, I started going out into being my own independent producer. And uh, now I do custom music for clients. And I also do some free music on, on the side. And it's been going pretty well for me so far. Well, that's awesome. You know, that's actually how, uh, you know, I came to be familiar with your work. And, and just so the audience knows too, this is actually our first conversation, live conversation. Um, even though we've been working on this project together for about two months now, I guess, you know, a month yeah. and a half, maybe been a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah so it, it really, and I came to know your work and then, you know, I saw that you had a lot of royalty free type music. So for those folks that aren't as familiar with what that means, explain what that part of what you do means. Yeah. So Basically, what I've done with some of my music is I've allowed people to use it without having to pay me in any way or license my music. So there are certain songs that I have out like on my website and on my Patreon that people can just use uh, for uh, whatever they want, whether it be for podcasts or uh, videos like on YouTube or anything like that. And it's just been a really good way to get my name out there because, you know, there's decent amount of like white noise, independent producers. There's a lot of people out there. So I decided that doing something like that would be a really good way to, to get my name out there and to, to generate a following. Well, I think it has. It certainly worked because, you know, I found you and, and then I really, you have a wide range of styles on your songs, uh, and which is amazing to me, really, because uh, I mean, I'm not as familiar with the music business. I love music, of course, but you have a lot of different styles, which are actually pretty cool. How do you how do you come up with that? How do you come up with the, the music that you develop? Really, for me, it's just it's it's a love of music itself and a lot of different um, styles of music. I listen to so many different genres and my brain is just very active in, in wanting to create and it can never really land on just one thing. It always, you know, would it be cool if I, you know, tried this other thing or tried you know, this other genre or, you know, mashed a couple different genres together. And it's just, for me, it's like, you know, there's always wanted to try something new and something different. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because on, you know, another podcast uh, show, which is like I said, how I found you, I actually use three of your songs that are, um, I think you call them fair use. Is that right? Or is there another? Term? Yeah, uh, pretty much. I guess. What I've done is is closest to what people might call creative commons 
where it's um i have certain songs out there that is just free to have people use or if they want to make edits or derivatives of it it's pretty much fair game yeah that's actually pretty cool and and for me uh, the other podcast i i work with is a non-profit so we don't have any budget or anything like that so it was important for me to find just some music and i was really only searching for a couple of seconds you know, five seconds, ten seconds for a podcast intro. But I got to tell you, you, I thought your music was so good that I I really didn't want to do that. I, I actually used the entire songs for the intro and then for a commercial in the middle and the end. Well, thanks. My only regret is that I walk on it, that I have to talk over it. Um, but I have to tell <laughs> everybody what the podcast's about because, you know, I don't want to spoil what you've done because I think your your music's pretty amazing. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's but it's really cool. Tell us about your custom shop, because we talked about, you know, the Creative Commons or the fair use stuff, but you also have songs I've noticed on your website that are for sale, too, like a one, one-time one purchase or something. Exactly. So there are a couple different things that I do. I'll do completely custom music for anyone who wants to reach out to me. Uh, most of the music that I've done for that has been for, like, podcast intros and I ended up doing some ringtones for some company in Serbia, (laughs) which was surprisingly legit, even though it doesn't sound like it should be. So, yeah, anyone can just contact me at my uh, my email, joseph at josephmcday.com, and and work it out that way. And then I I run a website called themesong.studio, where I've made a whole bunch of kind of pre-made theme songs and bumpers that people can just buy straight up and then you know automatically get the rights to and you know if you like them then you can take them (laughs) that kind of thing so what's a bumper you mentioned that what does that mean a bumper at least to me would be like a really short like five to ten second kind of clip that you might use as a transition between different parts of a video or a podcast you know it wouldn't be something that would standalone like super long as like a big intro but just like a small little clip and you get a worldwide audience i take it uh, being on the web right yeah absolutely all over the world i've had various clients so that's pretty cool well let's talk a little bit about the podcast you know this one is really a behind the scenes look about you know what it took to put this whole thing together and and i'm really excited that you were able to come on uh, the phone with me and do this interview so that we could just talk about this process and working together because I, th- I think people would, you know, are going to be interested in hearing just the whole production, how it gets put together. So what was your approach in developing, you know, the theme for, for this particular, I call it an audio story, I guess, you know, it's a yeah. podcast, but it's a narrative and it's, it's just sort of a story. So it's, it's not quite a, I mean, I guess it's an audio book, but I, I'm seeing it more as a performance because there's sound effects and music and the whole mm-hmm. bit to it. So it's a little more than just a narrative. What did you, you know, what was your approach in developing the theme for this project? Yeah. So, you know, initially after we had, we had talked, you uh, sent over the first couple, couple chapters and I, I listened to those and I really just wanted to dial in uh, the atmosphere. And I think I, one thing I really enjoyed about the chapters that you sent me is that the atmosphere is so prevalent. There's kind of this, you know, mystery and kind of an ominous looming, but there's, you know, there's light as well. So for what I was trying to do, I was really trying to nail that, that atmosphere. So from there, I started to kind of think of what I could draw on in my process. And 
the thing that inspired me the most would be my mind went to like 18th, 19th century, that'd be 19th century, like romantic music where everything is very based on atmosphere and not necessarily as much on like the musical function, but like trying to convey emotion. And beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm a really big Lord of the Rings fan. So Howard Shore's score is always really big in my, my brain. So that was also an inspiration. And another thing that was kind of in my brain while I was thinking of what to do is like trying to envision maybe like a, a BBC or masterpiece uh, theater kind of TV show intro and kind of mash those up. No, that's very interesting because, um, well, it's interesting for me as an author because to just kind of get an idea of what people envision when they hear it. And I sent them to you, hopefully to convey that very thought, that very atmosphere. And, and I'll tell you what I was, was really shocked by, you know, I already was familiar with your work, so I knew you had the right style and that you were the person that I wanted to do this more than anything else. And I just, when you sent me the first piece, I was just blown away. And I thought, wow, he really captured what I envisioned whenever I, whenever I wrote the story. And I don't know about you or anybody else, but for me, I, I sort of get immersed in it, you know, as I'm reading it or listening to it. And, and then your music really enhanced that. You know, that was really interesting that you were able to capture that without me actually even having really talked to you, just sending you some emails. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm glad it worked out well in that aspect. Yeah, and let me let me play this uh, real quick too, because I, I want to give the folks that are listening a chance to to kind of understand a, a little bit about the process. You know, this is the very first piano piece that you sent, the overture demo. It's only about a minute long. We'll talk about it when we come on the backside. piece that you sent me, you know, and I, I got to tell you, it, it really sent chills down my spine when I first heard it. Cause I thought, wow, that's, that's what I was after. Talk about that. Like, how did you come up with that? Yeah. So there's just a couple of things that were in my mind. I wanted the piece to, again, like I said before, be kind of, kind of dark and mysterious, but have some light in it too. You know, like what I said with the, the romantic music, I wanted it to be kind of slow and, and emotional, not be too complex. So I only use, you know, a few chords and I wanted there to be, it was like a really memorable melody line. So most often, you know, the most catchy melodies are only a few notes. I really just tried to, to play something as simply and kind of emotionally as I could. You know, when I sat down at the piano and kind of just played around until I was able to get that 
Well, you really captured it because I, you know, when I listened to it and this is what I wanted, you know, I really wanted something that when you heard it, you automatically thought about this story. That's what I was after. I think we have right now about seven songs you know, total yeah. that, that we have, or seven pieces, I guess. You know, there's some background music, which is going to be you know, pretty cool in in some of the scenes that I'll be narrating. But then there's, of course, the what you labeled as the overture, which mm-hmm. is the main piece. And this is the demo piece, this little piece here. And then you really expanded on that and turned it into something else. And let me play that real quick. So that the audience, now this actually, I say real quick, but it's not. Let me play just a little bit of it, and then we can talk about that and how you were able to do that when we come back. That piece really very moving and there's a lot of a lot of stuff in there which just works so nicely together and how hard was it for you to make that i mean how long did that take i don't remember how long it didn't seem like it took you very long at all to put yeah. that together how long did it really take you to do all that i think it was about a week a week to a week and a half on that to really get from the beginning to the end now, is that, that pretty normal for what you do, or was I asking for something that was, um, you know, a little bit more than what you normally get? Yeah, I mean, it was I mean, it's definitely a little bit longer than, than what I would normally get, but I think it's quicker than, you know, a lot of composers out there, because I've been doing the the theme song thing for a little while. Um, it's, it's most profitable for me to be able to learn how to do things really quickly and I've been in the business of writing catchy hooks, so I've been able to develop a process where I can I can write really quickly. So it didn't end up taking me a ridiculous amount of time to be able to do it. No, it was pretty quick, and there's just so much. It's so rich, I think. There's so many layers to it. Like I said about some of your other music when I had to do intros, and this is really, for me, the, the main theme song to Cry in the Moon's Light. Um, this is really the uh, what I think of when I think of the story and I think of just different scenes, you know, her walking through the meadow and, you know, like mm-hmm. you said, there's light, you know, at the, I mean, it is a dark, certainly the atmosphere is dark in terms of the setting because a lot of this takes place at night and it's through the, you know, a darkened forest and things like that. But like you said, it, there is also a mood to it, which is relatively dark considering that you have, you know, werewolves and packs of wolves and there's all kinds of other overtures and with other stories that I put in there too. So it, this really kind of match that and it was it was really interesting to get that back from you when i when i did yeah awesome i'm i'm so glad now the other thing that i'd ask you to do too was because i started thinking about it was putting a guitar out front instead of the piano and yeah i remember when i asked you you were pretty excited about that you liked that idea didn't you yes um i'm primarily a guitar player it's my my main instrument, so being able to do that is uh, is really fun, and especially being able to do our stuff, but in a more uh, cinematic context, is is pretty unique, and I really enjoyed that a lot. And that come out just, 
I mean, I obviously had complete confidence in, in what you were doing. There was there was never a question about that in my mind. I just just couldn't wait until you were, you know, when I would ask you to do a song and say, let's do this, I couldn't wait to get it back. And each time, really, I think you exceeded my expectations for the piece. And that guitar piece is, is just amazing. Of course, you are right. talking to a guy who grew up, you know, with Van Halen and uh, Joe Satriani and Eric Johnson oh, yeah. and all the, all the greats, you know, Eric Clapton, those sort of folks. So, um, yeah, they so were, they're me, all my heroes learning <laughs> to play guitar. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, what's funny is, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to put ideas in your head. I was worried about that. I was worried about telling you the different artists that I like or something like that because I didn't want to influence you in any way other than what the story was. You know, that was all I mm -hmm. wanted to do. I didn't want to get in, in, interfere with you creatively, even subconsciously. I didn't want to do it. But I was thinking about Eric Johnson's Cliffs of Dover in a way. I mean, oh, really? It doesn't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the music doesn't go there. I don't. I don't mean it that way. It's it's not the same. But it just makes me think of a, a theme song that has meaning to it well i'm flattered <laughs> yeah, well pretty awesome was there and then of course i asked you to do piano theme only and you know what was funny too was we were talking about the guitar because i as you gave me that main theme and i thought wow i wonder what it would sound like you know with with different instruments out front that's when i said the guitar and you had actually snuck in guitar in the the main overture too didn't you yes i had it's kind of a technique that i've used a lot of times where in order to add weight to really intense parts, I'll just kind of build a wall of guitar noise in the background. Really low tune guitars just playing, you know, like one chord and then like uh, like a really high guitar where I'm you know, just playing one note, you know, picking really, really fast with tons of echo and, and reverb and distortion. And you, I put it in the mix in such a way where you don't necessarily discreetly know that it's a guitar but it just adds this atmosphere that i, I really like and yeah, i put that in the original one and then uh kind of double down on it for the the guitar version it's pretty amazing actually and i you know i didn't really pick up on it the first time and then you told me that you actually had it in there and i was listening to the piece again and then i'm able to hear it because i'm looking for it or listening for it but what i found was interesting was i had not given you I really only, I think I only gave you about three chapters, if I remember right. I gave you the first three to kind of, mm -hmm. because those sort of set the mood. I think I gave you some other battles maybe, but there was a, and I don't know if I ever sent it to you, but there's a scene a little bit later. They're actually beside a sea, a very large sea, and there's waves crashing and, you know, there's surf. And what was funny was when I was listening to your guitar, it almost sounded like that. You know, the way you did the guitar almost, maybe it wasn't the guitar, but there's parts in there, there's musical notes where it sounds like waves crashing in, mm -hmm. into the surf. And I thought, I never told you that. I never said, hey, Joe, we're going to have a scene with this, you know, and, and see if you can work something. And I think that's what I love about that overture is it just seems like you captured little pieces of the entire, of all 15 chapters. It seems like there's little pieces in there. And it amazes me that you were able to do that without actually knowing the entire story. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to do that, you know. I think what I was really trying to go for with that overture was exactly that. Like a an overture for an opera is kind of what was in my head of writing a piece that would essentially kind of sum up an entire story in a few minutes at the very beginning to try to kind of walk someone through a shortened condensed version of that story and I, i'm glad that it uh it seems to have worked 
Yeah, I, I think it really did. You know, the, the hardest part for me, and I know I wrote this to you, was is trying to figure out where to put your music because uh, I, <laughs> I can't pick as to what I think is better or because or, there just isn't anything I think that is bad. I just feel bad that I have to walk on it in certain places and talk over it because it's, it's just too good. Um, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, the other thing I had asked you to do, too, was, you know, some of the background music. And those were some pretty long pieces you did for me, which are fantastic. How hard was it to do those compared to like the overture? Uh, it wasn't nearly as difficult because as we had, had talked about initially over email, a way that I had come up with in order to, to do all this and stay within the budget that we agreed on was if, you know, I did that initial overture in such a way that I could take sections of it and then kind of cut them out and extrapolate entire other songs from them. Like the, the main background piece that I sent you that was like, 20 minutes long, I think. I just took the kind of more quiet ambient section after that that main theme and just chopped it up and literally was looping it and, you know, bringing different instruments in and out and just kind of repeating that section and then bringing in other sections. And it didn't really require a lot of discrete composing. It was really more just uh, arranging and editing and just trying to Make it in such a way that it wouldn't be distracting in the background, I think, but it also wouldn't be annoying if it was too similar. Yeah. Just trying to have like that kind of ambient drones and, you know, echoey sounds and, you know, strings that would just fill out that background for whatever you needed to. Now, the last one that I asked you to do was a tavern song because there, <laughs> yeah. there's actually two tavern scenes. You're only familiar with one. There's actually another one later, okay. which is in the in the last chapter. That was a little bit different too. And you actually stayed with the same, I, I want to say tempo, if I got that right. Same flow, I guess, maybe. Right, how I would yeah. Think about it. What was in your mind doing that one? I've been a fan of you know, European folk and uh, like Irish folk music for a long time. So I've done kind of, tavernish type things uh in the past and i was really just kind of drawing on that you know mostly like acoustic guitar violin uh flute and then i used some of the same chords from the overture and just kind of in an afternoon together something that you know maybe some guys would be chilling in the background of a tavern playing jamming together yeah, that's pretty much it it wasn't wasn't too complicated just you know, put together a little little melody and then kind of looping the sections so you could you could have it for a decent amount of time in the background. Let me uh, play just a little bit of it for the folks so they can hear it. Okay, so that was the, the tavern piece and just an amazing piece of work as well as the other stuff. I think it fits in real nicely with the story. Thanks. And you have an album on iTunes, right? I do. It's uh, it's called Scatterbrained. And it was it was actually the senior project while I was at uh, the College of St. Rose. They have kind of like a senior capstone thing where you just you make an album and that's kind of like your last big project. That was something that I worked on while I was there. 
and I realized I was just writing in so many different genres that they didn't necessarily all completely make sense together. So I just named it Scatterbrained, and I was like, yeah, people will accept that. It's called Scatterbrained. Well, I got to tell you, I bought it, and I think it's fantastic. You know, I have it on iTunes on my phone, and I, I listen as part of my playlist. I absolutely love it. Thank you. I probably would have purchased some of those songs for the uh, podcast story, but I really wanted my own music for yeah. this that's unique. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's your album on iTunes. I would encourage everyone to, to purchase that, support you on that, because it's really worth uh, listening to and, and worth downloading. Okay, well, I want to thank you, Joe, not only for coming on this podcast to talk about just some of the creative process and putting the, the story together and doing the music, but I also want to thank you for amazing job and the overture and everything that you did for the story. I think it really takes it to the next level, this uh, audio podcast story. Absolutely. I've had a, a really great time working on it. All right. Well, thank you very much and hopefully get to work together again real soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you for joining me today on this special episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Joe about how he created the music for the podcast. Stay tuned for more behind-the-scenes episodes and announcements about various projects involving A Cry in the Moon's Light, including Season 2. And don't forget to pick up a copy of the book. A Cry in the Moon's Light will be available on Amazon and Kindle Halloween night, followed by Father Daniel's Compendium of the Undead, the ultimate must-have guidebook to the entire world, with over 75 illustrations, more in-depth details about the characters, creatures, and everything that makes up the story. By purchasing these books, you help fund the future projects of the show. And if you like it, please leave a positive review on Amazon or any place book reviews can be found. Until next time, I'm Alan McGill, reminding you that only love defeats evil.